This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind, a podcast about maternal mental health from conception, pregnancy, to birth and postpartum. Real stories from moms and family members who've made it from struggling to wellness, and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. We discuss very real struggles that can sometimes be hard to hear, but these are stories that need to be told so that moms and families can know that healing is possible. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. On this episode, we're hearing from a couple who shares about their experience of loss, birth, loss again, and birth again two rainbow babies, and the anxiety and depression that came after, as well as how they navigated all of this as a couple. In this powerful episode, Nikisha Tolbert Banks and Shane Banks share their story in hopes to increase awareness about loss and loss as a couple of color. This is the first time we've had a couple on the podcast to talk about their experience, and I'm just so happy to bring this to you because it really deepens our understanding of what happens within a couple. And although this is one couple's story, I think it's a great way for us to really be thinking about how the family is a system. And while, yes, we focus a lot on what's going on with mom, things are really affecting the partner as well and the couple and the family, and they do just such a beautiful job kind of walking us through what happened for them. But I also believe just you can hear that because of the strength of their relationship and their kind of agreement to check in with each other, how they were able to pull through this. Nikisha Tolbert Banks is a woman, mother, wife, daughter, sister, aunt, friend. She loves her life purpose role as a social worker in which she started her life coaching and therapy practice in 2008 under the name Duo Empowerment Services, which stands for Do Unto Others. She is a published author, releasing her first book in April 2018, titled The Birdcage. She is the mother of two beautiful girls and has been married to Shane for 12 years. They share a passion of serving in ministry together for the past 14 years, in which their faith is the foundation to their living, existence, and means to overcoming difficulties. Shane Banks is a man, father, husband, son, brother, and friend to many. He is also a minister, and they've been married for 12 years. Together, they have two awesome daughters, London and Germany. Shane enjoys fishing, sci-fi, and action-packed movies and lives a blessed life. I'm honored to have them both on today, so let's 
hear from Nikisha and Shane. Welcome, Nikisha and Shane. I'm so honored to have you both with us today. Thank you so much for having us, Kat. Yeah, I was just telling you guys just right now, I'm so excited for this and honored to have you both on here because this is the first time we've had a couple come on to talk about their experience together. I mean, on this podcast, I'm often talking about either the mother's experience or sometimes the father's experience, but really this is a family experience and you guys are bringing a really powerful and needed perspective to this conversation. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to have you guys talk about your experience and share your story. And I'd love to learn what you went through and how you got through it. So wherever you'd like to begin. Okay. Awesome. Well, again, Dr. Kat, I just want to say thank you. Shane and I often, I guess, kind of try to figure out where we start with this story and we've told it you know, to various people kind of here and there. So we currently have two children, two daughters, London and Germany. London is the oldest and she's almost eight. And she reminds us of that daily. Um, (laughs) And Germany is two. So Germany turned two in May. And we label both of our children as rainbow children, meaning that we had a loss prior to each of our daughters. Hmm. I think that's kind of the first time that I've said that publicly. Hmm. Um, Again, just because, you know, it's, you know, for whatever reason in our community, kind of a taboo topic that not a lot of women or couples, I guess, even talk about. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, we've, obviously are here to talk about is kind of that whole healing process. And Mm -hmm. I think with sharing this topic on this platform with you, hopefully someone will benefit from, you know, what we share today. And so I guess we'll kind of start, you know, with the first loss that we experienced prior to London was in 2009 And it was one of those things where we weren't the couple that was trying, you know, Mm -hmm. we didn't say like, oh, we've got to be married for so many years. And then at this year, we've got to start trying. And hopefully by this time, we'll get pregnant and Mm -hmm. have we'd always kind of just said from the beginning, like, let's just live our life and see what happens. Our faith is very strong. And so we said, if that is what God ordains for our life, then we will most certainly go forth with that. And so when we found out that we were expecting, it was exciting and kind of still like, Mm -hmm. did this really just happen? Is this (laughs) real? And, you know, kind of going through some of the initial tests and different things like that, And I started to have some complications in which, you know, my doctor said, well, some of that's normal. So just kind of keep an eye out for those that have actually experienced a miscarriage. They would know kind of that terminology. Mm -hmm. And then probably around somewhere between maybe nine to 11 weeks, we actually experienced the miscarriage for the first Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it was... 
I'm not exactly sure how to explain what you go through because emotionally, from my perspective as a woman, obviously just the physical change and the hormonal change, but then just me processing it for what I had been through physically was difficult. And I'll let Shane kind of share his perspective on that. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I'm interested, Shane, absolutely in your perspective and what your experience was through kind of the whole process of kind of finding out about the pregnancy and up until the miscarriage and after that. Yeah. When we found out, I mean, we both was excited. I was excited, you know, it's the first time I'd ever been through this process and having a baby and pregnant. And so I was overjoyed by the news so it was an exciting time. It was happy and, you know, start planning and, right. you know, all these ideas of babies coming and start preparing for the baby and preparing the house and all that stuff. So all those thoughts and conversations start to happen. Mm-hmm. So it was a really exciting time for both of us. So in just going through that process and then hearing the news that, you know, we lost the baby, it was tough, you yeah. know. And being there, and I guess my main focus was just to make sure that I was there for my wife and be there for her to support her through this and to be as strong as I could be to support her in the loss of the baby. So that's my focus turned to her uh, just to be there. Right. And thank you for bringing your experience and for bringing that perspective. I think from some stories that I've heard that this is kind of can be common for the partner, the husband to really kind of turn their focus to make sure the wife or partner is doing okay, which is great and supportive and amazing. And then also kind of makes me wonder, well, at some point, like, where are your feelings? You know, that kind of thing. Like, I think a lot of men do really just stay strong for their partners, which is awesome and amazing. And then I still wonder, well, how are you feeling? Yeah. Yeah. And I think this podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H or math in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that followed two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. 
but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. From my perspective, obviously the first time we went through it, it was both of us going through it together. Mm -hmm. I... Like I said, you know, we went through that experience twice. And so after the second miscarriage, it was definitely a different experience for me because I was just like, you know, again, we weren't trying. And so when we found out that we were expecting, it was just kind of like, wow, here we are again, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is exciting, you know, and Mm -hmm. when we got to the point of, you know, things were okay, And because I was labeled high risk, obviously, because I'd had a miscarriage prior. And then with my daughter, we'd had some complications with her and that pregnancy Mm -hmm. and things. So the doctors were, you know, kind of on me like white on rice. You know, I was in the doctor's office getting labs Mm -hmm. twice a week. And Mm -hmm. it was a very tedious process. And things were looking very well. And then all of a sudden, they just weren't. Mm. And I think that was the most difficult. And for me to know that I was going to go through this experience again of, you know, miscarrying, you know, the, the emotion that you have, like part of me was angry. Part of me was sad. Mm. Part of me was frustrated. Part of me just couldn't understand why it kind of felt like my body was fighting against me. Right. Mm. That, you know, I can't keep this child safe or there, which I'm sure a lot of women have experienced and thought. Mm -hmm. But it put us in a very different space to where, you know, I think we just kind of separated in the sense of, I feel like he, Shane dealt with his stuff where he was and I dealt with mine where I was. And it was a difficult experience, more difficult than the first time. Well, yeah, I can sort of imagine, too, that you've experienced a loss, and that was very difficult. And you have one child who is, I'm assuming, doing fine, but there were complications in the pregnancy. And then now you have the second loss, but you have something to refer back to in terms of, like, the pain and the process of that. But then anticipating, like, is it going to be the same? Or, you know, just having that added pressure of, already having a reference for this kind of pain than anticipating it. And gosh, that's just like a lot to deal with at once. Um, And then it sounds like you guys were kind of processing things in different ways at different times. Is that correct? Um, And and Shane, in terms of your experience? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because I think as men, we process things differently Mm -hmm. and we don't, you know, quite show our emotions out publicly. So, you know, I was hurt and I had pain and different things of that nature, but I didn't show it outwardly to her. Mm-hmm. And I think at some time she felt that I wasn't sad or hurt because I didn't show my emotions, mm-hmm. but I did. And I was trying to stay strong for her, you know, in that regard and not show it outwardly. 
And, um, and maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have, you know, showed my emotions more in front of her, but maybe that would have helped her deal with it a lot better. But I didn't know. <laughs> right. You know? Well, how can you know? You yeah. know, I mean, it makes sense to me that, again, that you would want to be in a place where you stay strong. You know, really difficult thing is happening. That makes sense to me. And I'm sure, you know, at the time, looking back on things, you can see things differently. But in the moment, you're not necessarily able to think through those things in the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you can, it sounds like there was a bit of a disconnect, which I think happens with a lot of couples during these like difficult times. I'm curious about like your kind of each of your well-being and how this kind of played out for you, Nikisha. First, how did this impact you, the loss and then feeling disconnected? Yeah, I think for a minute, I just had to like catch my breath. And I mean, honestly, I just feel like we were really in different spaces and we had to work really, really hard to like communicate with one another. And it wasn't that we blamed each other or anything of that nature, but, you know, I think exactly what Shane said in situations like that, like when you don't communicate or there's an expectation with communication, right? Mm -hmm, That mm -hmm. maybe I expected him to say certain things or do certain things. And, you know, because Mm -hmm. I was just in such a heavy space, having gone through this again, that, you know, I don't even think I know (laughs) even to this point what I needed from him. Mm -hmm. I just know that I didn't feel like, is he giving me what I need or... Mm -hmm. What is it that I need? What is he feeling? Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, like he said, he didn't necessarily outwardly Mm -hmm. communicate that, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, maybe I felt a little abandoned or, you know, just alone. But, you know, I think after, you know, maybe a month or so, we got to a space where we were able to just sit down and process what just happened, you know, where do we go from here? What does this actually look like for us so that we could get back on track, you know, because in the heart of all of that, we still had this kid (laughs) that Mm -hmm. we raised, right? Yeah. So it was a difficult time. I mean, it was a really, really difficult time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Shane, how about you? What did that feel like for you? Well, you know, as I start to open up and realize that she needed more communication from me and for me to, you know, tell her more about how I felt. And, you know, as we talked and talked it out now, you know, then I understood, you know, that I, you know, express myself more, talk more. As men, we just tend to shut down and, and keep quiet. But in the marriage and during these tough times, you know, you have to take that hardness and that rough, tough, manly face off, you know, and open up. So I felt a lot better after that. Well, I imagine so just kind of reconnecting and kind of realizing where each of you were, you know, being in this different space, feeling disconnected is really hard after a tough experience like that. But what I also hear is that, Shane, you were not trying to be disconnected. You were trying to stay strong, but it maybe felt like disconnection. Exactly. Um, And this is, I think, again, a relatively common experience when it's hard to put 
words to how you feel anyways. Nikisha, you were saying like, you didn't even really know what you needed in that moment and you still might not know now. It's so hard then to try and for each other to put it into words and to know where to start. But somehow you guys did, which is amazing. Yeah. I think the other thing, Dr. Kat, that was so, I just, I guess maybe confusing is the right word. I don't know. It's just that, you know, in one moment I would think or feel like I need this, right? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, when we got into that space, it's just kind of like, no, 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 I just need to be left alone or no, yeah. I don't feel like talking right now. Uh-huh. But then when I'm ready to talk, maybe he's not in a space to talk. And so right. we had to deal with some of that, that, you know, it just became about timing and mm you know, putting ourselves aside to be able to visibly see where the other person was in all of that. Wow. I love how you describe that. That's, I think, powerful. And I'm sure people who are listening can resonate with that, that that just mismatch, so to speak, of when you're ready and what to say and, and all of that. That's so real. Thank you for speaking to that. I guess I'm curious a little bit just about the feelings during that time? Because I'm thinking, my assumption is, is that feeling disconnected would make people feel sad or irritable or angry. Was there anything noticeable emotionally coming up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. Maybe I shouldn't have asked that. <laughs> yeah, I think a little bit of all of that. Just angry, upset, some arguments here and there, sure. some attitudes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, all of that those emotions and that came up, you know, that we had to push through and communicate through and talk through to, uh, you know, get to the next point of our lives and, you know, moving forward. So, but yeah, all that was mixed in there. He's absolutely right. I think for me at one point, you know, I think he had asked, you know, well, what do you need from me? And I said, you know, I don't need anything right now. Like, I just need to figure out what I'm doing. And it wasn't that I was excluding him, but I just remember, you know, like the doctor appointments and things like that, like the things that I needed to do, the checkups and things like that. And, you know, I said that stuff that, you know, you can be there and be a support, but I just kind of feel like I needed a minute. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you're on a tilt-a-whirl, like a an amusement park ride, and it's going around and around and around and around in circles. Right. And at first, it's you know really fun, and you're like, I can handle this. And then all of a sudden, you're just like, I'm feeling really dizzy, and I just need this to stop. Right. And so when it finally stopped, it's like my head was still spinning, and I needed to just stand there for a minute to kind of gain my bearing. You know, like. Mm-hmm where am I in all of this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think once I was able to actually get that for me, I could then communicate better with my husband because it just felt like we had to go through what we needed to go through for ourselves Mm -hmm. so that we could then reconnect to say, okay, now what do we need to do together to move forward? Mm -hmm. So exactly to what, you know, he just stated. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, what keeps coming up for me is like, wow, I mean, you guys are weathering the storm, but you have to have had a foundation in order to do that. 
and come back together. And what a testament that is to you guys as a couple to be able to weather this and then come back together and like, all right, let's sit down and figure this out. And how incredibly healing that is just in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the one thing that's intertwined in this is that we only had each other. We didn't have, you know, a lot of people around to support us mm. in both miscarriages and, and and both the pregnancies and both babies coming. So if we had odds <laughs> with each other or were, you know, going through, all we had was each other. Right. Right. So it was really not too many people that she could turn to or I can turn to. So that's where the abandonment came in. And, you know, mm. there's no court there. So we were all we had. Mm. And you're right that our faith was our foundation and we had to continue to, you know, go back to our faith and prayer and go back into the you know, Bible and to read and stand on that foundation to get us back on track and to mend our relationship back together. And that foundation was really important in, you know, helping us to heal and to come together and to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So a month goes by and then you guys are coming back together to have this conversation. What, um, you know, in terms of the process from there, you guys healing through this, you know, maybe on kind of Cliff Notes version, what was that like? What did it look like? How did you get out of this? Well, I'll throw kind of a twist in there. It's a funny twist, okay? Um, but it is a very life-altering twist for us that after we'd experienced this loss, I had actually scheduled with my OB to have surgery so that I would no longer be able to get pregnant just because of some complications. And that's something that we had actually talked about after I'd had, you know, given birth to our first daughter, London. Mm. And so I was actually going to be scheduled for this surgery in December of the same year in which we'd had our second loss, which Mm -hmm. would have been 2015. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was my doctor had an emergency with or complications with a patient. And so after about an hour and a half or so of waiting, I just decided to cancel that appointment and reschedule for a later date. Mm. And so it was like October and we had gone on vacation for a couple of weeks and the first week of vacation was awesome. And the second week I started getting sick, which was kind of my normal sick when I had, you know, things going on as a woman. And so I thought, it was either that or just the fact that I maybe caught something on the plane. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we got back, you know, to Indiana and I called my doctor and she said, well, why don't you come in? Let's run your normal panel of things that we generally tend to do. Mm-hmm. And upon running all the tests and ultrasounds and everything, we found out that we were actually expecting. Wow. <laughs> And it wasn't just like a new pregnancy. I was about nine weeks to the date that I had gone in pregnant. Yeah. Wow. And so obviously at that point, my anxiety went through the roof. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. 
Wow. And I pretty much cried my way to 12 weeks, just hoping and praying that this pregnancy would stick. So yeah, yeah. Thank you for speaking to that, that like fear and worry that during that period of time, oh my gosh, I know so many people experience that as well. Yeah. So with that, you know, obviously Germany just turned two. Um, The (laughs) pregnancy was successful and it didn't come without its humps and bumps and anxieties and worries and concerns every single week. But every week got us a little bit closer to our beautiful daughter. And we celebrated every Tuesday because that was our week. So we had like a little party every Tuesday up until we delivered, which was on a Tuesday. What? (laughs) Oh, amazing. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So that's kind of how we got there. Let me jump in right here because she's being really modest about a couple both pregnancies were, she couldn't eat. She couldn't oh. eat anything oh. during both pregnancies. She couldn't keep anything down. And it was really hard on her and me to, it was hard on me to watch her sure. to go through that, through both pregnancies and not being able to eat what she wanted. And, and all she could do is drink certain things. And maybe oh, she yeah. had a, one or two food items she could eat but for the most part it was nothing oh wow and she was a trooper through both of those pregnancies and I was just in awe and in amazement by it by watching her tough through that from a man's point of view to to Mm -hmm. see her do that because I would have been I would have gave up (laughs) if I couldn't (laughs) I would have been laid out on the ground somewhere right but she pushed through both of those pregnancies like a champion And I was just so proud and amazed by that. Yeah. Thank you for bringing in that perspective as she was being modest. Were you diagnosed with HG? I was diagnosed with a lot with both pregnancies. So, um, you know, I guess I leave that out just because I look at the fact that I just didn't want to lose another baby. And so, you know, what I had to go through with the sickness and, you know, just picking and choosing kind of little things to eat here and there. It was all for the better to get my babies here. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's hard. Okay. So we still don't even know half of the story of your pregnancy in terms of how difficult it was. Um, That's just a glimpse into it. Oh man. I mean, that's exhausting. I don't know all what you went through, but that sounds exhausting. It was a lot. It was a lot. I remember one time, that's a little funny. I was in the kitchen preparing to cook, and I'm in there doing my Chef Boyardee thing and <laughs> putting some seasoning on some food, and she smells it. And immediately, she just jumps up and runs to the bathroom and just, Aww. I was like, oh, my God. So yeah. I'm trying to put everything up, and or oh, no. you know, I would have to sneak and eat because I didn't want to eat in front of her. Oh, man. I would eat before I got home. I remember I came home one time, I think a slushy or something that came in and I forgot uh-huh. and I had the slushy and I came in there and sat down and set the slushy down on the coffee table and she looks at it and oh. she starts crying oh. because she couldn't drink the slushy. <laughs> I mean, I would and uh, so, you know, it's just all those different things I had to adjust, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
what I had to do for her mm-hmm. because she had to go through what you know, she had to go through. So, But he's wow. redeemed himself by buying slushies at least once. <laughs> <laughs> and bring them home. <laughs> right. Right. That was payback. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, man. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's funny. Oh, boy. So... Yeah, I mean, so you guys were able to work through that during the pregnancy too. I mean, that's a lot for you, you know, just physically for you, Nikisha, to deal with and emotionally for you guys to manage, especially with another baby around to to take care of. You know, looking back on it, you know, you've come out of it. You're, you know, doing better, like in terms of being able to look back on this period of time. What do you wish that partners or couples or fathers would know about this period of time? Maybe Shane, if you can, can share. Well, I think the main thing would be to not be so closed and to be more open and to share your thoughts, your feelings. If you want to cry, cry. If you want to, you know, just open up and pour your heart out to your wife, do it. You don't have to be you know, so strong and so hard that you can't show your emotions, mm. you know, to your spouse. And I think that's really important for the man. Mm-hmm. And it's really important for, you know, the wife to see that that husband, you know, really cares or really has feelings and is going through it with her and feels the same way mm-hmm. that she feels. So, right. so you were having those feelings during mm-hmm. after the loss, too, but just not sharing them with her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's really powerful. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I think the most important thing for me and just sharing with other couples is that you have to work 10 times as hard to keep those lines of communication open. You know, mm-hmm. even when maybe you don't feel like talking to just maybe be okay with sitting in the silence, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That there were days where we may just sit on the couch or, you know, go to McDonald's or Starbucks or something like that and just sit there and nothing had to be said, but everything was said in that silence. True. Because sometimes we didn't have words, you know, as to what we had been through or what we were feeling. And, It was a very, very difficult phase, but I guess the encouragement is just that if you put your mind to make it through as a couple and to stay connected, that you can make it through, you know, because we have friends that have experienced way more loss than we have, you know, Mm -hmm. three, four, five, six, even miscarriages and I have no idea how they have made it because, Mm -hmm. you know, I know the second time that we went through it, my capacity was at no more. Like, I couldn't go through that again because it is so emotionally draining and hurtful. And I don't even know the words that can even express what that's like, but you can make it through it, you know. Even with this pregnancy, just coming out, like I said, our daughters too, but there was a lot that even with that pregnancy and even after Germany was born that I still had to deal with from residual from before. 
And so it takes a lot of work and Mm self-awareness, I guess that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. To know how to push through and what you need and what you need from your partner to just make it through. Right. And sometimes it's just minute by minute. It's not even day by day. Sometimes it Mm -hmm. literally is just minute by minute. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Right. Oh, thank you for that. And I mean, you're talking both about like, you know, having some sense of self and figuring out what you need, but then also there are these periods of time that you just don't know and that it's okay to do that together. That's yeah. what's mm-hmm. so important about what you're saying and what you're saying too, Shane, that um, just keeping the connection and being vulnerable with each other, I guess that was a word that kept coming to mind for me. Yes. Uh, and it's so powerful. I think this piece about loss and miscarriage is so critical because it's so common. And the more women I talk to, the more that they're sharing that this has happened to them, Mm -hmm. but they don't talk about it because they don't think that anybody else has been through it. And um, right. There's this like silence around it. And then I think it actually makes it harder for couples to talk about it too, because we're not used to talking about difficult stuff and loss in particular. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with Shane too, that like, you, you know, it's, it's hard to open up when you're kind of told that you need to be strong and whatnot. And so that for you, Shane, the fact that like you could come to that understanding is I think really powerful and something that a lot of other men will feel empowered by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Shane, do you have anything else you'd like to add about your experience as a father, as a husband? I guess that just had to make sure that I was there for her and for the kids. And and, and I think too, part of this whole process 
I thought that just being there was enough and, you know, and I didn't really view me opening up and showing my emotions and feelings was needed. I think my thought process was just me being there present for her was enough that she needed, but I didn't, I was wrong, Hmm. you know, and uh, I learned that being there wasn't enough and I had to express myself and express my feelings and how I felt more. And Mm -hmm. that's what was needed most. Wow. That's what I learned. Wow. That's really powerful. And it's just, I think like we already said a little bit, it's hard to know that in the moment. I mean, you kind of have to go through it to figure that out. Yeah. And that's a Mm -hmm. tough lesson to learn, (laughs) you know, in terms of, I mean, there's like, you know, the strain and the challenges that that puts, you know, between the connection is you don't know what it is until after you figure it out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that that transcends across the entire relationship. Yes. Yes. That it's, Mm -hmm. you know, on a larger scale, the communication piece transcends across the entire relationship, even into raising, you know, our children and, not just being present, but being present with a voice, you know, and displaying that emotion so that our daughters grow up knowing that, you know, there's times where daddy cries, you know, and daddy cries because daddy's sad or daddy cries because daddy's really happy. Mm. So that shows that anybody can express emotion and share that emotion because we're human. Right. Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. Right. I mean, I think we've all been conditioned, to, uh, even women too, men more so, but women too, that feelings are a sign of weakness. But right. there's actually so much strength in sharing them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Nikisha, anything else you'd like to add or you'd like people to know? It's different sitting on this side of the table, (laughs) meaning as the patient and the person who gets the help Mm -hmm. versus being the provider. It makes it, I don't want to say easier for me to help my clients, but I can definitely understand and empathize Mm -hmm. on a different level. Oh, sure. Yeah. I think that there's even healing in that when you see other women going through it, but you're able to provide resources or just encourage people to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's why we agreed to actually sit down and share this part of our life Mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't talk about it and it's still very taboo and it's never easy to talk about. But I, you know, just think that when people are comfortable and they're ready, that they can step out and get the help or the support that they need and that they don't have to be in that sad or alone or sheltered space alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I really hope everyone can hear that because that is true right there. And what you guys are doing here today, I mean, I feel incredible gratitude to you guys for sharing your story together. I think, you know, either one of you sharing separately would be powerful, but 
But I think together is so important because, I mean, frankly, and sorry, we're often leaving fathers out um, yeah. of this conversation. And we're often like isolating moms as the one who have the issue or who need the help and whatnot. But right, it, this is like, this is major stuff affecting multiple people in the family. And I really appreciate you both for coming on and sharing. Yeah. And I want to thank my husband for just being there and being present and, you know, just doing what he could in that space. Yeah. I think to your point that it's the world is set up to where they do cater, you know, more to the women and the men in a sense are kind of forgotten about but they are impacted just as much as we are. And I know that he has been, and, you know, I appreciate just him even coming today to speak about what we've been through here. Yeah. So hopefully this blesses someone or helps someone even, you know, from a male's perspective to just be able to hear that different side of the coin. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again so much to both of you, Shane and Nakisha, for sharing today. I really appreciate you both, and I know that this is helping somebody. Absolutely. Thank you again, Dr. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nakisha and Shane. Your story brings light and healing to other couples who are navigating these really difficult waters. I'm going to bring you an additional message from Nikisha and Shane that they really want to make sure people are understanding. And they were able to send me this note after the recording of our interview, something that they wanted to be able to touch on with you, is that people can be insensitive and unaware of a woman or a couple's difficulties with infertility, miscarriage, difficult pregnancies, labors, or deliveries, and making statements like, oh, you guys should have one more baby. You need a boy. Why are your girls so far apart in age? It's like you started all over again. And for them, this was and continues to be a struggle. And it is a struggle for many, simply because the fact that people are unaware of what they say and how they can impact a person internally. So thank you, Nikisha and Shane, for sending that additional message. Obviously, we could spend a lot of time talking about those types of dynamics and how difficult it makes to transition through infertility and loss and pregnancy and birth. We really don't know a person's story, and it's very easy to make assumptions or say things that may be hurtful. If you'd like to be in touch with Nikisha, you can find her on Facebook, Nikisha T. Banks or on Twitter and Instagram at First Lady Giggles, and on her Facebook business page, Duo Empowerment Services. And as usual, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and join us at momandmind.com. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. By joining us today, you are part of the growing community of people who are aware and concerned for mothers and families during this beautiful and sometimes very difficult time of life. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. You can feel better. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Mom and Mind community. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning. 
where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.